Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonabello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. At Kroger, we believe it takes the right team to bring you the freshest produce. That's why we partner with farmers who grow only the best. And that level of teamwork means better, fresher options time and time again. Working with farmers is what it takes to be fresh for everyone. Kroger, fresh for everyone. It's the big $10 sale. So mix and match and get two, three, four, five, or even 10 for $10 with your card. So many great deals. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. All-Hit Radio! Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Worldwide toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. Email exxon at com On MSN Messenger, exxonradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. The Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, Star Cable, and our growing family of broadcast affiliates right across Canada, the United States, Central America, the Caribbean, South America, the Pacific Rim, Asia, India, Africa, and Europe. My guest this hour is Daniel Friedman. We're going to be talking to Daniel about... Um, the Genesis One Code. And uh, the older and more knowledgeable we get, the more likely we are to seek explanations from both science and the supernatural for our biggest questions. And according to, uh, and this is according to a new psychology study, science and religion coexist uh, harmoni- uh, har- harmonically, <coughs> excuse me, in the minds of most people. 
They are not competing domains, says engineering physicist Daniel Friedman, the author of the Genesis 1 Code. And uh, this shows how science and religion agree on the timeless timelines for development of the universe and the appearance of life on Earth. Joining me now is Daniel Friedman. And Daniel, welcome to the Exxon. Congratulations on a great book. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Tell us, uh, what was your inspiration into writing the Genesis 1 Code? Uh, basically, I've had the question myself uh, for a long time, you know, which, which is right, the scientific explanation of our origins or the biblical explanation of our origins? Mm -hmm. But what really brought it uh, home in the last few years is, uh, is my nephews and, and nieces that, are, you know, became teenagers, went back to school and had all the same questions I had at the time. And, of course, today with a um, much higher knowledge from a scientific point of view, and uh, those questions became even more and more relevant and, uh, in an attempt to answer those questions and to do the research and eventually mm -hmm. to get to the conclusions I got to, I, I ended up writing the book. Why do you think it's so necessary in today's, today's time and age that the question about creation, that, that has been boggling our minds is, since the beginning of recorded history, since the recording of time, it seems to be so important to everyone. Yeah, it's, it's, it's getting more and more important, and, mm -hmm. and I think it's because we're learning more and more. We had an ama amazing scientific advances, and we all see the Hubble Space Telescope pictures, and yeah. read about all these amazing number of stars and black holes and so on. And at the same time, uh, most people in the Western world have been brought up with some kind of creation narrative, uh, particularly from Genesis, mm -hmm. uh, which at first blush to most seems to be quite different and contradictory. And this, of course, has led to the famous kind of creation-evolution debate, as you mentioned, sure. has been going on forever. Still an issue in the presidential election in the States. Um, so the, the story is getting more and more apart and because they're getting more and more apart and people, the polls show that people are still fundamentally trying to have a camp in, a foot in both camps. Uh, people are, 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 do not want to dismiss the biblical story. Over 85% of, of the U.S. population, that's the numbers I have, uh, believe that God has been involved in some shape or form in creation. Only 15% believe in only a natural evolution. But nonetheless, despite those 85%, more than half believe that maybe the process that God used was evolutionary. Uh, so you can see the integration going on between science and religion there. Do you think today's society has outgrown the need for religion? Uh, you know, I would almost say the opposite. Um, uh, from, from my observations, there seems to be a move back to spirituality. Mm -hmm. I, don't know if, I don't know if that's religion or not, but... But the more technologically advanced we get, the more popular a lot of spirituality uh, type of things, not just religion, but yoga uh, and other things uh, become. So if anything, we seem to be pushing in both directions somehow. All right, stand by, Daniel. You and I have to take our first two-minute commercial break. Exxon Nation, Dan Daniel Friedman is our special guest. He is the author of, now do you have your pencils and paper ready? I'm sure you do. The Genesis One Code. His website is www.genesisonecode.com. And that's the word O-N-E code.com. We'll be back on the other side of this two-minute break. Don't go away.
Welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. Daniel Friedman is my special guest this hour. He is the CEO of MDA, an aerospace company in Canada, which, among other things, specializes in robotics used on the International Space Station. He has a master's in engineering, physics, and 30 years' experience in the space industry. He has published more than 20 peer-reviewed scientific papers on space industry topics. He is also a longtime student of cosmology and religion, and he is the author of a, of a great book, The Genesis One Code, at www.genesisonecode.com, and that's genesisonecode.com. Being, being part of the space industry, which is really high-tech, compared to cosmology and religion, which is based on belief, how do the two tie together? Well, that's that's the interesting part. I mean, in the space industry, of course, mm-hmm. a lot of what we do relates to uh, looking at the cosmos. Uh, so I live every day with the reality that we can see what's going out in the cosmos. In fact, we can see, because light takes time to travel, we can see back 12 billion years in time when we look uh, through the Hubble Space Telescope and see what things were like uh, back then. Uh, at the same time, my religious studies point to uh, an Earth being created 6,000 years ago. And so it certainly brings the whole question of science and religion and our origins into complete uh, focus, demanding uh, some kind of an integration and an answer. Mm-hmm. So, so in your opinion, does science ever corroborate religion or vice versa? Uh, absolutely. In fact, my, my, whole, my whole book it's about that. I, I tell the, the understanding from science about how the universe and life came to be, and then mm-hmm. I take the understanding from religion, well, at least the, the Abrahamic religions from Genesis, uh, how uh, the world and life came to be. And, uh, and, you know, what I did is I discovered something quite remarkable, that there is a, an incredible agreement on what happen and when it happened. So what meaning like, you know, the first life or the sun mm. and when meaning like four and a half billion years ago for the sun. Um, there, there isn't an agreement on how it happened. That's different. The explanation in science and the explanation in religion is different. And, and of course, why? And in fact, that's once you agree on what happened and when it happened and you see that the two work together, you can shed a lot of light on the how and I think um, you can see that religion enlightens science and vice versa. Uh, there's many examples of that that I go over in, in the Genesis 1 code. You know, there, there seems to be a lot of debate even between members of the scientific community about what really happened at the beginning. What, is your, what, what do you believe in your heart of hearts, based on the research that you've done, started all of our, all of our existence, started life here on this planet? Was it the Big Bang? Okay, so, you know, this is the very interesting part. In science, we know what happened very, very detailed and very precisely from right after the beginning until today. We have a 14 billion year history of what happened, how the galaxies developed and the stars developed and our solar system developed Mm -hmm. and everything else. We understand that very well. We can actually um, see it in, in pictures, but we don't understand what happened right at the beginning because we cannot see that we cannot Mm -hmm. experiment and reproduce that 
And in fact, the mathematical theory, which is the Big Bang theory, doesn't give us an answer for the very, very beginning. Yes, it's an answer for everything else, but uh, at the beginning, there's some kind of magical explosion. Um, on the religion account, uh, what you will find, and we need to get into a little bit more detail, but we are told in the Bible how things are happening. We are told when, quote-unquote, a miracle or a divine intervention is taking place and when things are evolving naturally through the forces of nature. And it turns out that in the cosmological account of the Bible, which is the first four days of creation in Genesis, they went, they went through four, everything in that account is a natural occurrence of cause and effects of physical laws, mm -hmm. except, except the beginning. The account clearly states that in the beginning, there was a divine act out of nothing, something was made. After that, it says clearly, you will understand it all if you study physics. Mm -hmm. There's there not, no arguments, but you will not understand the beginning. And that's precisely what we don't understand today. Um, so two other two other events, related to life that have the same same situation. Which are uh, the the making of the species and the human soul. Those are the three acts: the very beginning, the different species, and the human soul that the Bible clearly tells us are divine acts of creation, and the definition of creation is something out of nothing. So it's like a magician pulling a rabbit out of the air. Sure. Every other act, every other act is an act of formation, an act of formation. I'm translating, of course, from the original Hebrew uh, into the English, which is not as rich, but an act of formation mm -hmm. is making something from something else, making a table out of wood, making a star out of hydrogen, uh, and so on. And those acts of formation are all done uh, in a natural cause and effect. Now, how do we know that? Because the Bible uses different names for God throughout the Bible. In English, we see Lord, King, Father, and so on. In the Hebrew, it's very specific names with very specific meaning. And whatever name is being used is the name that is acting. So if you call me an engineer, mm -hmm. you would expect me to act in a professional manner, methodical, and so on. If you call mm -hmm. me dad, I go, to, I go to pieces and I do whatever you tell me. <laughs> exactly. Um, so God is the same. He has different names. And he's got the engineer name in the whole of chapter 1 of Genesis except for those three events that are divine. So, so, so tell, we should so, understand it. As an engineer, as a scientist, as a physicist, how do you prove there's a human soul? Oh, that's a whole other story. <laughs> now we're jumping to, to life. So I, I, I don't have any way uh, to uh, prove there's a human soul, mm -hmm. but I can go to the Bible and it tells me that the fact that humans have a human soul, animals have a soul too, it's an animal soul, but human have a, uh, the humans have an animal soul too. You know, we, we can behave like animals sure. uh, pretty easily, but we have a divine component to our soul, it's called a divine soul, that's different than any other creature. Yeah, but don't forget that, the, the Bible was written by humans, not by God himself, so is it possible that it wasn't God who created life, but it was life who created God? in order to answer questions that mankind at the time never had the answers to, or the ability to find the answers except through 
mythological folklore? That's you know that's the age old uh, the age old questions of course and 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 that would be possible. Mm-hmm. Um, however, what I sh- you know if you want to stick to proofs and, and engineering, uh, what I do in my book is I go to the Bible, and I extract from the Bible, mm-hmm. strictly from the Bible, not using any other anything else, twenty events you know yeah. made the sun first life. And I have a very, very simple formula, which is again derived from the Bible, that converts those creation time events to what, what we measure in science or scientific time, and they match. Now, that's an impossible coincidence. No human that wrote the Bible, and I'm not suggesting that humans wrote the Bible, but if a human I had written the Bible, I, I, there's I'm, no way they could have gotten that right. I'm saying that humans wrote the Bible. Okay. I've never. I've they couldn't ne- have gotten that right. They couldn't have gotten 13.7 billion years right, four and a half billion years right. In fact, when they wrote it, if they wrote it, that was not the belief at all. But being a scientist, a physicist, how can you base your entire theory or your your entire work based on a book to which there's no physical proof? Well, you know what I'm doing is I am going to peer-reviewed science. Mm-hmm. And I am taking that at face value uh, because some very smart people put that science together. And I'm saying that science tells us when the uni- how old the universe is, how old the, the sun is, when life first came to be, all of those things. The 20 facts, straightforward facts that today are not disputed. I am then going to the scriptures in a scientific way. And I'm saying, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to take them at face value. They claim they came from God. Mm-hmm. And... What do those scriptures say about those same 20 events? And you know, it matches. The time when those events happened and what those events were match. Furthermore, in the three places where the scriptures tell us you will not understand things scientifically, we Mm -hmm. don't today. Now, some will argue we might tomorrow, but today we don't understand those three things. We understand everything else. What happens 100 100 years from now? Science develops new theories and uh, quantum physics, quantum mechanics. And they take a look at the Bible and say, you know what, this is all myth, legend, folklore. Well, they've already done that. (laughs) Okay, so, you know, how can we, as a human race, put so much faith in a book to which there is no actual proof? Well, I mean, part of my book, and it's not the whole answer, but part of my book is to show you that, you know, the best way we have of proving something is we go and measure it. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, and we go and look at it. So I just took the Bible from a scientific point of view, and I says, okay, it says right here in this paragraph yeah. that the sun appeared at this time. Mm-hmm. Now, is that what I can see from science? And the answer is yes, it coincides, and it coincides for a raft of other uh, events. So, no, how could that be right? Like, how could anybody get that right unless they have divine foreknowledge? I mean. Well, don't we, ha- don't, we ha- don't we have to establish what divine foreknowledge is before we can give it any credibility? Well, uh, what I'm saying is that there's a book. Those people that follow that book mm-hmm. called the Bible yeah. claim it is correct. Right. I've analyzed it, and I've compared it to other people who have written a different book, which mm-hmm. is a bunch of scientific papers, which is the story of creation or the, the development of the universe from a scientific point of view. Mm-hmm. And I just... I am detached from both. I try to be detached from both, and people say that I have accomplished that in the book. Obviously, I have a bias myself, but I try to take that out of the book in the Genesis 1 code, and I just compare them. 
All right, stand by. We've got to take. We, all right, stand by. We've got to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Daniel Friedman is our guest of this hour, Exonation. He's the author of the Genesis One Code. www.genesisonecode.com. That's Genesis O N E Code. dot com. My name is Robin Connell. This is the Exxon. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network. X-Zone Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, and Star Cable. Our toll-free telephone number worldwide is 1-800-610-7035. Our email address, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.xzoneradiotv.com. Welcome back, everyone. Daniel Friedman is our special guest of this hour. He's written a book that I'm sure is going to shake up a lot of people. And, you know, with Christmas time coming, uh, this is the type of book that if you have somebody that's into science, if you have someone that's into cosmology, if you have someone who's, who's into understanding the paranormal, this is the type of book that they would really appreciate getting for Christmas. It's called The Genesis One Code. Daniel Friedman is the author, and Daniel's uh, website is www.genesisonecode.com. That's genesisonecode.com. Going back to the um, to the scientific values that you discuss in your book and how you tie the two together, Daniel, how do we explain the cast of characters in the Bible? For example, the Bible talks about the creation of man, Adam and Eve, and then how their families prospered. And, and they set around the world. My question to you is, if God created Adam and Eve, wouldn't everybody around the world look the same? Uh, I, don't, I don't see why. I mean, um, we know today that we are made of uh, a DNA, and that mm-hmm. DNA mutates and adapts to different uh, situations, like hot climates, darker skin, and so on, and uh, less food, smaller people, and more uh-huh. food, larger people. And we understand uh, today that uh, whatever we're made of mm-hmm. is, is such that it adapts to all these different things, and we expect uh, uh, the differences, not just in humans, but in all life. So tell me, do you think that we were created by accident, by chance? Uh, me personally? After having researched yeah. all this and looked looked at the scientific side and the biblical side, no, I think uh, I think there was divine intervention 
at least when it comes mm -hmm. to our soul. Uh, our body could have been done in a very similar way to other animals, but it's pretty clear that uh, we're uh, we're different than uh, than uh, than animals, and and that difference comes from uh, the thing we call a soul. If we were created on purpose, even even the soul, all right. Are there life forms on other planets that have the same soul that we have? <laughs> okay, well, that's beyond the scope of my of my uh, my research. But uh, the uh, of course, science hasn't uh, had a, doesn't have a definitive answer for that. That, and at least my understanding of the Bible is there's mm -hmm. just no definitive answer there for that either. So, so based on based on that. Are you saying that your your book is only based on earthlings? My you know my book is based on looking at what we know in science mm -hmm. and what the Bible says at face value and comparing and contrasting that. And so I didn't go into extraterrestrials because frankly I just don't have any information definitive one way or another. But we do know that we exist today. We know what mm -hmm. we're like. We know how long we've been around, 200,000 years. Uh, we know there are a whole pile of other things before us. That, that knowledge we have, and we have a lot of description of, of, of the creation on, on this planet sure. in the Bible. Uh, all right, so but, that's, that's what I can work with. All right, but let's say, let's say that you're correct and that a God created us. Where did this God come from? If he didn't come from this planet, where did he come from? I don't have a, a good answer for that. Um, all I can say is that that God is claimed by the people that that have passed the Bible down mm -hmm. for thousands of years to have done twenty acts. Yeah, yeah, I, I know we've t we've we've talked about this a couple of times, but yeah, my, that's, but, that's, my... but that's all I can tell you. <laughs> but. Does it make sense that if there is this God who no one has ever seen, that if he created life on this planet, that he would have created life on other planets, not even if the life, but the souls that you, that you say that he created? Doesn't that make sense in, to a logical mind? Uh, no, it's not obvious to me. Like, you know, we... we uh... First of all, we're made in God's image. So the best way to try and get any glimpse at all at, at that is to look at ourselves. And, you know, when, when we make something, we, we make something. When we decide to go to the moon, yeah. we decide to go to the moon. We don't decide to go everywhere else or uh, so, and so on. So. so if we're made in God's image, then we ourselves are God. No, that's not the definition of God's image in the Bible. Well, how do, you know, like how do you explain it then? Okay, well, the way it's explained in the Bible is that, that that image means that we have free choice, whereas other animals do not have free so choice. So why was it written that we were created in his image if that's not what he meant at all? Well, you see, we have an English translation back from Greek, back from Hebrew, mm -hmm. and all of these words, even the word God is not mm -hmm. right in the translation because, as I mentioned a little earlier, there's several names used for sure. God, so you always have to say which name is it. Is it, is it Mr. Engineer, Mr. Father, yeah. Mr. Miracle? Uh, which one is it? So one has to look at that in the full context, and mm -hmm. I explain 
you know, I don't go into a lot of that in, in the Genesis 1 code, but I do have one chapter that explains how, just like I explain how scientists get to answers, I explain how mm -hmm. people that study theology get to answers, and it's not the image we have from Sunday school. You just read a text that doesn't make a lot of sense and has some weird old English words in it. Mm -hmm. That's it's, it's way more quote-unquote scientific than that. And uh, all right, so, so if I understand, the original Bible was written in Greek? In Hebrew. In, in Hebrew. And what the Bible meaning the Old Testament, we're talking Genesis. I'm not talking about the Bible and the in the in the in the in the definition of the New Testament and so on. I'm talking about the creation story. The very first right. chapter in the very first book of Genesis was originally written in Hebrew and then translated to Greek and, and so on. And then And if and if I'm not mistaken, it was Moses who wrote the book of Genesis. That's what it says right in the book. Yeah. yeah. And this is the same Moses who took the Israelites out of Egypt. Right. And isn't it also believed by theologists today that that Christ himself and the beginning of Genesis came out of Egypt, that it didn't come out of Israel? I don't have that knowledge, no. Okay. I, I can't answer Okay. That. So, if, once again, if... There is this divine entity called God. Is he still around? That's what the Bible says, yes. Around and active. I often wonder if if humans created God because we live in a in a um, binary world or a binary existence, zeros and one, up, down, in, out, right, wrong. Uh wet, dry, good, evil, heaven, hell, God, Satan. And many times people use God and Satan as excuses for their actions. So is it possible that we, that throughout history we've been using these, these entities, these beings, as scapegoats for our own failures, as well as because we some people have a problem accepting praise for the work they've done or acknowledging the great things they've done. They say, thank God for this. Thank God for that. God made me do it. You know, that's separate as to whether God exists or doesn't exist. I, I think we as human beings are really, really good at trying to, uh, unfortunately, project uh, things outside of us. Mm -hmm. I mean, we... Uh, we spend a lot of our life blaming our parents, never mind God, well, <laughs> for things going right or wrong. So that that's just a human uh, nature issue that happens irrespective okay. of, of whether there's an existence of uh, another divine being. All right, if God is not. if God is still around today, why isn't He still creating? Well, you know, we can look at at at, at things and say it's all running like a clockwork. Oh, but... I, I I disagree. I think it sucks. I think there's more flaws. <laughs> I think there's more flaws in this world than could ever be imagined by anyone. Well, we look at uh, you know we look at uh, at nature and it's, mm -hmm. it it looks pretty amazing. And you watch a baby being born or a kitten being born is pretty amazing. Yeah, when once we get into the act with our fabulous free will and we start mm -hmm. shooting at each other, it gets pretty ugly. But uh, you know, the natural things. If you go out in the mountains and and you see what's going on with the butterflies in the mountains and so yeah. on. It's 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 pretty amazing, and uh, and frankly, we don't understand it all. Still, it's not it's not all that simple. If we can't understand the simple things in life, 
How is it that we're so hell-bent on to try and understand the most complicated things in life, such as our creation and a mythological or hypothetical or believable God? Well, that's part of that little crazy soul we have. You know, we, we have this, this, uh, the, this, this incredible need to explore and to understand and, and to comprehend uh, those things, which is, uh, you know, we spend billions of dollars mm-hmm. trying to go to Mars. Uh, well, there's lo- all kinds of other little problems in our backyard. Exactly. But that, that, that's human nature. That, that's, um, th- that's, that's what we're talking about right now. <laughs> If I was a god, and Lord knows I'm not, and I don't profess to be, but if I had created something like this planet, the people on it, all the life forms on it, and I saw the hunger, the sorrow, the disease, the wars, I would do something about it. And yet... This God has sat still since the creation of man and has only given himself the views by a very select few. And yet you look at other, other cultures, Greek mythology, for example. The Egyptians, they had over 220 gods. So how do we know that this God that we're talking about this hour in the Genesis, co- uh, Genesis 1 code is the real God? Well... Um, there's two statements you made. You would do something about it. I'll get back to that. About mm-hmm. the real God, you know, my only approach to that is that, you know, if if I tell you that I built that house across the street, mm-hmm. and then I say, and here are my plans. Mm-hmm. This are the plans that I used to build the house. Mm-hmm. You could say, well, look, I, I I don't really know if you built the house or not. Maybe I didn't tell you. Maybe I died a long time ago, and I just left you a letter saying, look, I built the house mm-hmm. across the street, and here are the plans. Yeah. Uh, how are you going to test that? We can we can have all these intellectual discussions, and there's there's literally thousands of books in the market that have these intellectual discussions. They didn't satisfy me, so I, I don't want to argue their point. Mm-hmm. What I did is I took those plans, yeah. and I went to that house. So... The, Genesis, it's, it's told in the sources, is the blueprint of creation. So there are the plans. Right. I took the plans and I said, do the plans match the house? Does Genesis match the universe? And the answer I got was an unequivocal yes. And that's as far as I can get. Okay. I, I don't have an answer for what is God, but I, I said, look, you told me this is the plan. All right, all right. I checked the plan. Okay, I, I understand where you're going. You, you did a very diligent. You did your work very diligently, but let's use that that metaphor that you just used about building the house. Okay. You, you know, you come up with the plans. You tell me you that you built the house, and I go to see the house. Did you actually go to where creation was supposed to have started in the Middle East? Sorry, say it again. I said, did you actually go to where creation, the Garden of Eden, was? It was believed to have been in the Middle East when you were doing your research? I have been to that area, yes. Yeah. And what did you find? I didn't find the Garden of Eden. And yet it's in the plans. Uh, no, the plans said that all that was changed. It was existed at that time. And in my research, mm-hmm. I have I have checked, uh, given that there's plate tectonics or all the continents right. around where those continents were. And they uh-huh. were in the equator. They weren't in the North Pole. So you could have had a pretty decent garden. Sure. Uh, and so on and so forth. 
but that part is not there. I, I want to check the things that are still there. He said he made the sun. Well, yeah. the sun's there. It sure he is. Said he, made, he said they made the sun in day four. That's four, four and a half billion years ago. That's what science says. Uh, he said he made first life in the waters. We have come to that conclusion scientifically. He said mm -hmm. he made that, that life 3.5 billion years ago. Science has come to the same conclusion. Um, and, and so forth for for uh, for many events. That's that's what I went to check. I, so so you've I done your, go you've, check on Adam. You know, no, Adam's you, you, not, not you've, done, you've done your homework. No two ways about it. And I applaud you for that. But how come there are so many other religions? If there's only one God, or was God? Did God have brothers and sisters? No, there's no, <laughs> there's no, uh, no collaboration of that in the. In, in the Bible, um, but once again, know, that once again, you're talking about the collaboration in the Bible. When you look at Greek mythology, when you look at the, the Egyptian history, it's totally different from that found in the Bible. You and I have to take our final break. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues with Daniel Freedom. Friedman, I'm sorry. His uh, website is www.genesisonecode.com, and he's the author of the Genesis One Code. We'll be back. Don't go away. Daniel Friedman is my guest this hour. He is the author of Genesis One Code. His website is www.genesisonecode. First of all, Daniel, as I told you uh, during the break, it's been great having you with us. I have enjoyed this conversation immensely. I, I wish you the best of success with your book. But what would you like people to walk away with? What would you like them to learn, take from your book, at the end. Okay, well, thank you so much for having me, and thank you so much for asking that question. You know, what, what I'd like people to do is that we have a very thorough, excellent scientific body of knowledge derived in a very systematic way, uh, which by and large is right, and a huge proportion of our population dismisses it because they look at the Bible and says it doesn't, doesn't mm -hmm. agree with it. We also have a very rich heritage, and I know there's a lot of religions, but I'm sticking with the one I know about, uh, you know, Judaism and Christianity and, and, and Islam that relies on Genesis to different extents. And they also have uh, some really smart guys that have been around for thousands of years off and on, and they've done a lot of studying. And what I try to do in my book and what I challenge other people to do is mm -hmm. to look at both bodies of knowledge and learn from each. And I think you will find, like I found in an extraordinary trip, that they enlighten each other, that they don't contradict themselves that much. They do some places. But if we're going to get to the answer to our most basic question of our origins, we need all the help we can get. We can't just go with one side or the other. We need to look at both sides, and we need to try and integrate it. And other people that know other religions can do yeah. bring that along. Um, 
You know, a lot of people ask the question, why are we here? Do we really need the answer to that question? Boy, I definitely do every morning. Why? You know, it's not it's not going to change anything. You still have to go to work. You still have to pay your bills. You still have to, to pick the kids up. You still have to cut the lawn. What will it change? <laughs> well, you know, when I come to work, I really put everything into it. And I think mm-hmm. it makes a difference, and I, and I think it's important to, in, in my case, employ other people and give other people a chance to do things and, uh, and advance things to make our life better, and, and I'm sure everybody else has that. If I just came to work to buy, get money to buy food tonight to wake up tomorrow morning, I, I think I'd die. Why? Uh, because that, that there's no meaning or purpose to that at all. I'm just trying to stay alive. What's, what's, what is the point of that? All right, but, uh, but on the other side of the coin, if you knew where we came from, and let's say 100 years from now or even next week, something comes along that says, hey, you know what? We can prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that all this is just sheer accident. What happens then? How does that change your life? That's a big problem. <laughs> Why? You still have to go to work. You still have to pay your bills. You still have the hydro company to pay. You still have Bell Canada to pay. It changes <laughs> That's nothing. True. That's true. So, you know, there's, there's two aspects to us. There's the animal aspect. You know, we have to eat and yeah. we do what we need to eat. And then there, well, we, as we've spoken about our, our human soul that wants to go to the moon and wants to know where we are and wants to uh, love the kids and you know, so on. I, I, you know, we're running out of time very fast, but uh, when we talk <laughs> about going to the moon, we went there, spent all that money for what? Nothing. Uh, how well we found out how old the moon is. We found out a lot about how the solar system of the Earth was made. We're, we're part of the way to the answer to our origins. Wow. All right. Thank you very much, Daniel. Nice talking to you. Congratulations, ExoNation. Our guest this hour has been Daniel Friedman. And once again, he is the author of Genesis 1 Code. I don't know. What would, how would your life change if tomorrow you received a call where it was all over CNN and other news outlets that, you know what, scientists have proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that creation was all by chance, that there is no divine intervention. Would that change your life? I'll tell you something, it wouldn't change mine. I'd still have to come to work the next day. My name's Rob McConnell. This is The Exxon. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Whatever you do, don't go away. We'll be back. Don't... 